Hey everyone, Dr. Pedraza here. So, if you listened to the first episode, you know that one of the things that really drives what we do on the Dunces Corner is our desire to show the importance of theology for the local community. We hope our conversations are insightful and entertaining, but it's also our hope to offer you a chance to see the way the topics we discuss really play out in our own community of Baton Rouge. And that's where B-side episodes like this one come in. They give you a chance to hear someone's story. A real, live person with hopes and dreams, joys and sorrows. A life in all its gritty glory. Think of it as a way for the ideas we talk about to take flesh, so to speak. It's the Dunce's Corner in our own little corner of the world. Um, since I graduated, I decided that I wanted to travel as a surgical technologist, and I ended up landing a job in Illinois in labor and delivery, and it is absolutely amazing. That's Lainey. Full disclosure, she's a former student of mine, the kind of student who a professor just loves to teach. Thoughtful, attentive genuinely wrestles with the readings, asks the hard questions, but always has an air of kindness to her. And she's a nun. Not the habited kind, of course, but the kind that Bishop Barron and Bishop Duca were thinking about last year at the USCCB meeting. Someone who doesn't affiliate with any particular religion, or at least not currently. But I'll let her tell the story. And in fact, before I do, I think it's important to say This is her story. It's unique. Try as we might to categorize every nun, so to speak, and surely it is helpful to look at the statistics and come up with categories to understand certain phenomena better. But when it's all said and done, each person endowed with an immortal soul is unique, uniquely beloved by God, and uniquely called by Him. And the circumstances of Lainey's own religious thoughts, the choices she's made, the experiences she's had, are part of what makes her who she is today. A searcher. Someone on the journey. So, if you're someone who cares about the massive amount of disaffiliation we're seeing in the church today, my encouragement to you is not to see her as merely one part of the statistics, but as this unique person with her own unique story. Here it is. Uh, I was born in Louisiana, I, uh, in Baton Rouge, and then when I was three, we moved out to Walker. And at that time, it was pretty much country. I grew up on eight acres of land, uh, spent most of my time outside. I honestly had the best childhood that I could have ever imagined and the best parents to raise me. Um, they gave me everything that they possibly could. Our grandmother, actually, we had a mother-in-law suite attached to the house, so she helped raise me as well. So my mom grew up Catholic and my dad was actually Baptist but my my dad would always come with us to church 
and then the other church that we were attending, I think it was non-denominational. It was just totally different from the Catholic Church. With the Catholic Church, I just feel like the Catholic Church is more... When you go in service, it's just... It's calming. We would, we would go to Mass on Sunday, and um, <laughs> as a kid, I remember always not wanting to wake up in the mornings for Sunday church, but I feel like that's that's just a, a teenager and kid thing. But uh, I was always great. It was always a peaceful feeling when we ended up going, and I always was glad that I went. Um, but we did say grace before dinner, and we would always say our prayers right before we go to sleep. I think it was it was something that we made up, but then after a while, it, it kind of became our own set prayer. Like to this day, I I can <laughs> well I can still kind of recite it. It's been a while since I've actually said my prayers that way. Been a while since I've been consistent with my praying. Honestly, just being honest. So. Most of us have certain moments in life that are defining in a certain way. They often take the form of a great joy or accomplishment, or a great tragedy. It was no different for Lainey. Unfortunately, for the time you're about to hear about, it took the tragic form. She was at school and received word that her grandmother was in the hospital. remember the day that they checked me out of school she uh, I knew something was wrong I don't know why but I just felt it I knew something was wrong she actually went to go get we lived off a of busy highway she went to go get her mail and she and she was pre- she was in pretty good shape like she would walk her treadmill she was 82 years old she'd walk the treadmill every single day she'd walk down uh, our long driveway to get the mail and what had happened that particular day was she had passed out in the middle of the road getting the mail and she's lucky an 18-wheeler, UPS 18-wheeler swerved and didn't hit her and ended up uh, blocking off traffic so nobody else could hit her. Wow. She got to the hospital. She ended up having a heart issue. She had coded when she had got there and at that time I wasn't in the medical field so I didn't really understand what coding meant and I thought okay well then she must have died and went to heaven and they brought her back so whenever I was able to talk to her she was like no I I don't remember anything so that was so confusing for me to try to understand as a child and I think the lack of medical knowledge at that time also was was hard it it made it more difficult for me to understand you know she was in the hospital and uh, she coded about two more times and then they decided to do surgery well, when they did surgery, um, she came out and the balloon failed. And then, because I was her uh, uh, beneficiary for everything. Like, she left everything to, to me. Um, and so they were asking me, and I was only, like, 17. So, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And um, so they were asking us if they wanted them to do another surgery on her. And yeah please do it you know everybody's just kind of not really knowing what to do and 
so we all made the decision yeah we wanted them to do the, the next surgery well they did it and i remember sitting in the waiting room and we came back saw her she was intubated which was an extremely scary sight to see because i had never seen that before and um we go back to the waiting room and I hear overhead code blue and I knew, I knew it was my grandmother. And so my sister and I just looked at each other and a lady comes in and my mom had walked out for something and she's just like, your grandma's just, just, just not doing well. And so that was the, the next time we spoke to the doctor and they told us, we're like, you know, there's nothing else we can do. Her heart is just, it, it's just not able to support life, you know? And so uh, we made a difficult decision of uh, pulling our cord and the plug. And when we were in there, I don't know if I wish I were in that room or if I wish I wouldn't have been because it was just hard seeing her just slowly pass away. And I guess I was expecting to see like her, <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but see like her body lift and like her soul leave her body and I just didn't see anything and I think that was hard for me to to deal with because it, it made me question a lot of things and then I started having these nightmares where I would every single night I would have the same dream and it was me asking my grandmother if she had made it to heaven and she it was always no, like, no, no, no. Like when she had coded, that's what I would ask her in, in this dream. And finally, one day she said, yes. But it's really funny because up until now, I'll sometimes, I feel like it's my grandmother visiting me in my dreams. But up until now, I'll be, it'll be this dream where I'm in her apartment and I have something to ask her. And I'm like sitting right in front of her. And for, for whatever reason, I never ask her the question. And I, I don't know, it's, it's weird how it how it all works, but I never ask her this question. And I wake up and I'm like, I'm not ask her what I wanted to ask her, but I don't know what this question is that I want to ask her. So yeah, that was when I my my faith started to falter. I even remember going to a service. One of my uh, mom's side of the family, we'd go to their church, and I remember just getting up and walking out and thinking, this is just this is for lack of better words, I'm just going to say, this was stupid. Like, I don't, this is ridiculous. I don't believe in any of this. Um, I think after that, I had a period of time where I just, I don't know, maybe I was upset and mad that my grandmother wasn't there, but I just didn't believe in any, anything. Lainey's grandmother, a woman of monumental importance, a maternal figure who meant the world to her, had died. Understandably, she was upset, and her naturally inquisitive nature started to wrestle with seemingly unanswered questions. And once she passed away, it feels like it, it felt like things kind of fell apart, and that also made me start questioning my faith as well. I started asking more questions than I usually did because before that, I was. A very, very inquisitive child. And even late at night, I would stay up and just like think about all these questions. And some of these questions I would ask my parents and I just wouldn't be able to answer them. Um, just questions on subjects such as like, why does 
God allow the things that happen in this world to happen, like all of the terrible things. I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I feel like the only response that I could ever get was, well, because man has free will and we have a choice. But for some reason, it's just, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It just doesn't, I don't like that answer, I guess. <laughs> The burden of having someone so close to you die is surely enough to handle as a high school-aged young woman. But the year after her grandmother died, Lainey faced another challenge. Her parents got divorced. So my grandmother passed away when I was 17, and then my parents divorced at 18. And they were together for 37 years, so that was also pretty, pretty traumatic. There was a lot going on in that time period, and um, yeah. So it was a lot, a lot to handle. We'll be back with the second half of Lainey's story in just a moment. with the Dunces Corner. We're all famous now, just rolling in that podcast money. I just wanted to let y'all know that we are so thankful that y'all are listening to this podcast. And we want to hear from you, right? If you could let us know what you're thinking, all your thoughts, you know, suggestions, just send them our way. You wondering how many books Dr. Minert has in his office? I am too. I went there the other day and he got more. It scared me. But anyway, uh, we just wanted you to know that we want to hear from you. And we also wanted to let you know that you can find us on Facebook, Instagram at the Dunces Corner, and on Twitter at DunsePod, or you could email us at DunsePod at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you could just subscribe and give us a review on iTunes, that really helps uh, just spread the word so it's not just like our moms who are listening to this and telling us that we're good people. Uh, But yeah, thanks so much. After those tumultuous high school years, it was time for college, and after a quick stint at a local community college, Lainey decided to get away. And I mean, really away. People from Louisiana are famous for not really leaving their state, for planting deep roots at home. But Lainey decided to travel due north, about as far as she could go, to Minnesota. Apparently, she did it for a couple reasons, the first being a growing conviction about her sexuality. I look back when I was younger, like in elementary school, and I'm like, yep, I was, um, I was, I was gay then too. <laughs> all, all my crushes were girls or female teachers, um... And just some of the, the, yeah, I just, yeah. But I think my, I realized it in high school. And I did not come out until after high school. Because I was too scared of what uh, people would think of me. I started out with um, a community college in Louisiana. And then I transferred up to a community college in 
Minnesota and ended up um, transferring to a private university and going to get my two-year in surgical technology. You know, to be honest, I think I probably felt more comfortable there because of my um, sexual orientation and subconsciously, consciously, I'm not sure. I just think that I felt like I belonged for the first time in my life. Like, and, and perhaps that's why I ended up back up in the Midwest because I feel like I fit in. I just feel like I, I belong and it's a good feeling. And I don't know, maybe that's, that's why the reasoning for the move. And I think and secondly, I hate the hot weather. I hate being hot. So <laughs> I would rather be cold any day. Cutting <laughs> my little scarves and my hats and boots. So I love it. Even so, she couldn't stay away from home for too long. While she was studying in Minnesota, she decided to take a trip overseas to see Europe. She and a friend traveled to Iceland, Greece, Denmark, and France. While in France, they rented an Airbnb close to the Grand Cathedral of Notre Dame. And one day, in the seemingly mundane circumstance of staring out the window at the people in the streets, she just felt something missing. As if she had been running to different places, even traveling overseas to find happiness, but just couldn't find it. At that moment, her only thought was, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Lainey told me that that homesickness had a spiritual significance, too. Whatever had been calling her back to Louisiana also seemed like a gravitational pull toward God. She and her friend were supposed to go to Ireland next, but on a whim, Lainey spent her savings on a plane ticket and flew home. Since then, she's had some other moments where she's felt a similar pull. One when she took some summer classes at Mississippi State, and the other when she took a theology class. First, the summer. Wanting to get her foot in the door of a PA program at Mississippi State, Lainey took some summer classes there, and she met a friend. This friend in Mississippi, great, great guys, family, so, so welcoming, um, took me in. He's like a big brother to me now, but he took me in, and I ended up, we had a really long conversation outside of his house one night, and he just started crying, and he's just like, I just want you to you know, God loves you, loves you no matter what. And he's just like, I just want you to experience that love. And I ended up going to church with him and his family. And it was just, uh, it was great. Like the music, it really got me. And I just remember thinking, and I think I, I told you guys this in the class too, like, I, it was like a euphoric feeling. I don't know. It was a, one of the best feelings that I had had in a while. And I was actually going through a lot at that time. 
as well. And I remember wanting to go back again with them. I can't remember if I went back again, actually, but it was great. It really was a great experience. More recently, she took a theology class with a two-bit theologian. Well, yours truly. I think when I took your class, I was really trying and I was studying and I was reading scriptures that you would assign me. And they would, I would read the scripture usually right before I would go and shower. And then when I would shower, I would just kind of like meditate in a way and really ponder what I had just read and really let it soak in. And it was just very calming. And I know every single day that I took that class, I just asked God to really, really let me in and really let me try to get to know him. And I have my moments from time to time where I still pray and ask the same thing. Um, as bad as it sounds, I think my everyday life, I just kind of get consumed with it and, and get carried away with this world and not the spiritual. I have a feeling Lainey's not the only one who struggles with maintaining some regular pattern of prayer, or feels like her spiritual life is a bit of a roller coaster. Sometimes on the euphoric mountaintop of powerful Sunday worship and other times in the valley of dissatisfaction. That's part of her journey, and she'd be the first to tell you that, while she is a seeker, she's not immune to distraction or even just finding herself drifting a little further away from God, perhaps with another gravitational pull, as she calls it, just around the corner. But for now, she's taken this temp job in Illinois and she seems to really like it. Things are actually have been turning up really, really well for me lately. And I've gotten back into my music. I've started writing. I feel just stress-free, honestly, 95% of the time. And it's just a great feeling that I haven't had in oh, years. So it's really nice. At this point, I feel like I am more agnostic more than I am anything, but I have that hope and I am very open-minded and I really just want to figure things out before I take my last breath, you know? I don't want to figure this out and I don't know if it's going to take two days. I don't know if it's going to take years. I don't know if it's going to take till right before I die for me to figure it out, but I want to figure it out. I think that is one of the biggest mysteries in my book, you know, and um, adventures, honestly, it's an adventure. And all you can do is stay optimistic and happy and try to do good for others as much as you can while trying to figure it out, so that's what I'll keep doing.
1989, Jorge Mario Bergoglio, the future Pope Francis, gave a lecture in Argentina on a book called The Religious Sense, written by the founder of Communion and Liberation, Luigi Giussani. In the lecture, Bergoglio reflected upon the human heart that is made for God, or as he puts it, God is the burning desire of our hearts. And we see this fire grow when we begin to ask the fundamental whys, so to speak, the questions about the meaning of human life and our existence. Why is there pain, he asks? Why death? Why evil? Why is life worth living? What is the ultimate meaning of reality, of existence? What sense does it make to work, love, be involved in the world? Who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? These are the great and primary questions that young people ask, and adults too, and not only believers, but everyone, atheists and agnostics alike. Sooner or later, Bergoglio says, especially in the situations at the very edge of existence, in the face of great grief or great love, in the experience of educating one's children or of working at a job. These questions inevitably rise to the surface. They cannot be uprooted. In his vision, it is the great honor and duty of a Christian to journey alongside others with an attentiveness to those moments when the heart's burning embers, embers perhaps suffocated by doubt, sin, a supermarket culture, distraction, a media-saturated world, to be attentive to those moments when those embers nevertheless peek through. What would it mean for a church in this time of the new evangelization to patiently journey alongside others, to not simply cast them off, but to accompany them, and in the right moment, to stoke into flame the glowing embers of the heart, to gently blow upon them so that the flame of wonder might ignite once again. Wonder is, Bergoglio claimed, what leads me to seek, to open myself up. It is what makes the answer possible for me. If wonder opens me up as a question, the only response is the encounter. And only with the encounter is my thirst quenched. And with nothing else is it quenched more.
This Dunces Corner B-side was produced and edited by Dr. Brian Pedraza, but gratitude also goes to Catherine for help with the advertising, and of course, to Lainey. Pray for her, pray for us, and we'll see you next time.